In the last podcast, I talked about different types of testing that we do, and I mentioned the organic acid tests. Today on Ask Dr. Gill, I would like to discuss this test in more detail and find out when it is appropriate and when it is probably not appropriate. So stay tuned. Hello and welcome to Ask Dr. Gill. I'm Dr. Gill Winkleman. And today on Ask Dr. Gill, I would like to discuss the uh, wonderful test called the organic acid test or the oat test. And there are different companies and different variations on this test. Some of them will run, uh, you know, obviously different markers. But I would like to discuss today the one from Great Plains Laboratory. Now, I'm, I'm not not endorsing other providers or other companies, rather, that use other tests. Um, I'm talking about this one today because it's more comprehensive, I believe, than the other tests. And uh, they're all very good. You know, well, uh, the Great Plains, uh, I think, um, Genova runs one. I believe Dr. Data does as well. I'm not positive about that. But they have different uh, uh, aspects that they look at and different markers. And, you know, sometimes one of the tests is more appropriate for certain conditions than another. But in this particular, for this particular podcast, I want to I discuss uh the Great Plains version, just because of the comprehensiveness of the test, and also you know some of the markers. Um, so, so that's that's where where I'm coming with this, and I, as by a virtue of a uh, you know a disclaimer about this. So, all right, so let's get started now. The the Great Plains test, and I'm going to not go through all of these, but I'm going to talk about some of them. Uh, has 75 different markers that it looks at. Now, these markers, and by the way, you may hear pages turning because I, I have a sample report uh, from a, actually from uh, from a particular patient that, that was kind of interesting and, and notes on it. So, um, and it, it looks at uh, the metabolites in the urine that show up and, and these metabolites have different meanings in terms of how the body is working. So, so I'm going to go through it because I think it's important and can give you an idea of why this test is so useful. And one of the areas that I briefly discussed in the last podcast uh, about the I was discussing testing in general, but I mentioned the O test. I mentioned stool testing sometimes. We don't. We might suspect like a parasite or yeast or something, but we don't find it in the stool, and that's not uncommon that that will happen. And it happens because, you know, when you do a stool sample, you sometimes you might see a particular parasite in a one particular sample, but you might not see it in another sample. the The O test kind of bypasses that because we're not looking for the for the organism; we're looking for 
a metabolic sign of the organism, and the, the metabolic sign will show up in the urine. So we can look at intestinal microbial overgrowth based on these markers, and there are uh, 18 markers on the oat test that are looking for yeast, for fungus, and for certain types of mold. Now, it's not a very comprehensive in terms of mold testing, by the way. And I'll probably do a podcast on mold at some point. Uh, mold is, is, is its own little special case. And in fact, Great Plains has developed a test specifically for mold exposure uh, that's also a urine test. Uh, I have only run it on one person. It only looks at five or six different species of mold. And granted, they are a very, you know, some of the more common species, but uh, that, that people get infected with, but we still, you know, it's still not perfect because there's thousands of mold species and not all of them metabolize the same way. So, but, but the, the oat test will tell us about, uh, we have a few that will look for mold and, uh, and we also will see yeast. Now, paying, paying in, in mind that sometimes, uh, we see other things later in the test that are indicative of, of, a, of an issue. And uh, sometimes, you know, a provider may say, for example, arabinose, um, it may not be that high. Uh, that's a marker for yeast. But when you look on the other side, you look at the oxalate metabolites, you might see very, very high oxalates in the body. And typically the body has oxalates, you know, in response to the yeast. There are other reasons for that, but but sometimes it's like, yeah, it's probably the yeast, even though the arabinose level wasn't as high as we thought it would be. And, you know, if, if you have a provider that suggests that, it is that does happen, like we do see that. Um, we're also looking at other bacterial markers, and some of these are the beneficial bacteria, and some of them are non-beneficial bacteria. So a couple of the providers that I've, I've talked to that do this test a lot say, yeah, we can see SIBO, small intestinal, small intestinal bacterial overgrowth, um, in this test sometimes. And so they sometimes will use that. I have not used that. I have not used this test for for that purpose. But again, I'm just saying that because I have talked to other providers who have done that. So, and then we want to find and we look at Clostridia markers and um, Clostridia species like C. difficile is one of them. But there's others are um, can be particularly harsh on the body, and oftentimes. If you are a person that has had digestive issues that get better with antibiotics, and, and I, that could be like a natural antimicrobial, but then as soon as you go off of it, all the problems come back. And this could be like gas, bloating, constipation, or diarrhea. Um, it's probably some kind of clostridia species. And, uh, you know, we would see that on this test. And clostridia are difficult because... The, they, you know, the antimicrobials do kill them, but they also will form a spore. So even though we get some of them with the, with the antibodies, sometimes what happens is they'll form a spore, so they just, the antibody can't affect them. 
and the body, you know, they just are waiting for the antibody, antibiotics rather to go away. And, you know, that's kind of what happens with the clostridia. Once the antibiotics go away, then the spore kind of reforms the organism and then it starts creating problems again. And that's, that's usually a sign of that. And we will see that on this test. So that's really pretty awesome. So I mentioned the oxalate uh, metabolism and uh, the meta- metabolites, and again, that could be that could be diet related. It can be yeast related. Uh, it you know it just depends. Usually, often it's diet related. Um, just so you know, and interestingly enough, a lot of gluten free flours are very high in oxalates, and so uh, sometimes. And I've had a couple of cases of patients, um, particularly like autistic patients who were on a gluten-free diet and they were taking a lot of, uh, you know, too much gluten, gluten-free gluten uh, breads and so forth, and their oxalates were super, super high. So I want to take a quick break before I go on to the next section, which has to do with mitochondria function because it's it's actually very, very important, and it might be the most important part of this test. So hold off for a second, stay tuned, and I'll be right back. Hello and welcome back to Ask Dr. Gill. I'm Dr. Gill Winkleman. And before I continue about the organic acid test, I would like to just remind you that I'm always looking for questions and or topics for the show. And if you have one, please let me know. You can email me at info, I-N-F-O, at askdrgill.com. That's A-S-K-D-R-G-I-L.com. I'm always happy to answer questions, and sometimes I may just send an email back or have my office manager do that. But I really like to hear from you topics that we're going to cover, and I'm actually thinking about doing a workshop on pyral disorder. I'm still working out the details, but if you go to askdrgill.com slash workshops, I will be placing information there when I figure it out and what that's going to look like. And I may be taking a survey as well. So keep your eyes on that page and uh, let me know what what you would like to see. So thanks so much. Okay, so let's get back to the organic acids test. Um, The next set of markers have to do with mitochondrial function and and also um, glycolysis. So the the idea behind this is is that the cell is going to create the currency of the body is something called ATP. Uh, uh, ATP is the energy product is it, it's the energy that the body uses at the very base level of the cell. 
that will uh, you know, allow for different reactions to happen within the cell. And if you don't have enough ATP, you can have all kinds of things going on. ATP, and that's why it's so difficult to do anything. So, uh, and, and the other aspect of this is glycolysis, which breaks glucose down so that that, ener- that molecule broken down can be used to produce ATP. So glycolysis feeds into something called the Krebs cycle, and you get ATP being formed. And the OAT test actually looks at the markers that show up as part of this uh, cycle in the body. And what's interesting is, is that oftentimes we will see tests where something in that cycle is really, really high. And typically it means that cycle is not working very well, at least in some cells. So, for example, succinate or succinic acid um, can be super high, and it can be high for a lot of reasons. So it can be high because someone is athletic, right? And maybe they had a really, really, you know, tough workout uh, the, the day before, and that shows up in, in the body and the urine. Um, it can also be related to chronic fatigue syndrome. So like I mentioned, there can be an aspect of the body that's unable to either break down the sugar or produce ATP as a result of something. And oftentimes we don't really know what that, that causes. And it can also be because of some biotoxin illness. Now, this is where we go back to the the microbe level that I mentioned, you know, um, on the test about the intestinal micro, microbial overgrowth issues. And sometimes the, the mold numbers are fine, for example, but, uh, you know, and this is where a, a really qualified physician helps with this test is you could have really, really high cystic acid that's caused by mold, but it doesn't show up on the first page. And so they can kind of figure that out and work, work that out and figure out with you what the ability and what you need to do. And I would, I would basically say that instead of saying mold, I would say biotoxin illness. And I'll talk more about this, I'm sure, in another podcast. But mold, some people aren't susceptible to mold so much as the biotoxins that the mold produces. So in a nutshell... Mold produces these these molecules that are toxic to us. You know, it's it, basically they're there to protect the the organism. And some people have, for whatever reason, and some people it's genetic. Some people it's, it's just their body is overloaded. They can't clear that biotoxin, and so it, that biotoxin, in, for some cases, will mess up this this. It, uh, Krebs cycle and the energy production within the cells, and you generally know that that you are having a problem. So, uh, the other um, possibility for this is heavy metals as well. And for some patients, uh, that you know, you treat the heavy metals, the cycle starts resuming again, their energy comes back, and all this other stuff. So, this is kind of this part on the ATP in my mind, is one of the most important uh, test patterns that we, that we have uh, available to us. And, and it's, it's super useful in terms of, uh, in, in terms of you know, treating a patient. So 
The next section is on the neurotransmitter uh, metabolites, and I'm not a huge, uh, it's not like I'm not a huge fan of this. I don't use this a lot, uh, except for uh, certain patients. And the reason I say that is because most of my patients have dopamine and serotonin issues. And, you know, the levels in the blood are probably less important than how quickly it's being reabsorbed. Uh, for example, I mean, this is, this is the issue with, with a lot of medication. A lot of patients who are depressed don't really respond to uh, serotonin intake, for example. And some do, some don't, but they will respond well to an SSRI, a selective serotonin reuptake inhibitor. And the reason for this is that they, um, uh, it's not about the serotonin levels, it's about how quickly it's being, you know, vacuumed out of the the neuro uh, junction in the neurons. Um, The nice thing about this test, this particular uh, thing is that we can see if there's a problem in terms of tryptophan conversion, because tryptophan converts to uh, serotonin, or yes, to serotonin. Um, But sometimes there's a a reason that it doesn't go that direction. And so you get a buildup of this thing called quinoloic acid, which can be toxic to neurons. And so this section tells us that. And then we also have a section on folate metabolism, um, it's, it's rare that I see that being off, but occasionally we do see that. Um, there's a section on ketone and fatty acid oxidation. I usually don't go into that because typically that is off because of diet or something else in the, um, in the oat test. And then uh, the last section that I really look at is the... Uh, actually, no, I take that back. There's There's two others that I look at. The nutritional markers, which is nice because you can see if there are vitamin deficiencies. And sometimes we see patients who actually have something that is not getting into the cell for some reason. And, uh, uh, you know, we can then supplement with it. So for example, I've had patients who've been, uh, had riboflavin issues, uh, vitamin B2, and they you know, all of a sudden felt more energy when we upped the riboflavin. So it doesn't necessarily tell us why that's happening, but it does at least give us a a sense of that. And finally, there's indications of detoxification. So um, I like this part because we look at something uh, in particular, glutathione. That's the one that I really, really like. Um, the reason I like that is because glutathione is such an important detoxification for many things, including heavy metals. And I've had patients who, when we did the oat test, uh, they were low in glutathione and responded really, really well uh, when we supplemented with glutathione. And typically, if you're low, it, it's one of two reasons. Either you're not producing enough or um, or, you know, your production's down, or there's something causing it to come down. One of the things that I forgot to mention earlier that can also affect the Krebs cycle and cause, for example, sustenate to come very high is environmental toxins. So uh, patients who live near, uh, you know, chemical plants or oil refineries will often show up with problems on the organic acid test as a result of 
that exposure, and they it does affect your health. I mean, there there is it is not a coincidence that some of these areas aren't dubbed Cancer Alley. It's because many of these areas where there's high industrial pollutants being released into air and water or, you know, in the soil, and oftentimes illegally, by the way, uh, will show up in people and you'll see cancer clusters or health issues, you know, that are showing up. And sometimes they, they start with mental, uh, emotional issues, anxiety or depression, or, you know, lack of, of a will to do something. So it's, this is why oftentimes running extra tests uh, is so important. And I, I think the O-test is, is really, really uh, valuable. The last group of people I like to run this on is patients with autism or somewhere on the spectrum. Oftentimes we can understand better the disease process, for lack of a better way of saying it, uh, and how to help, you know, help stabilize patients as a result of running and looking at the organic acid test. So so that's all I got today. I know I covered a good amount of information in 20 minutes. I mean, you know, I, I've had, you know, weekend lectures on this test, on, on just the organic acid test and interpreting, but you're not needing to interpret it. You just need to understand why you might want to have this done. It is not an inexpensive test, just so you know. Um, it's between three and $500, basically. And it, I, there's a couple of insurance companies that cover, you know, it, but it's, you know, it's not something that I recommend lightly. So that's all I got for you today. If you have any questions, again, feel free to send an email to info, I-N-F-O, at askdrgill.com, A-S-K-D-R-G-I-L.com. And if you like my podcast, please share them and and or like them on the iTunes store. I really would appreciate that. It would be helpful to get the word out. And hope you guys have a wonderful week. I will see you next time. Take care.